You are now listening to the Geeky Natural Mom Podcast. Hello, everyone. My name is Yasmin Nicole. Welcome back to the Fortress. If you're a new listener, welcome. Come feel the energy. Come feel the love. <laughs> I always got to start the show off with gratitude. And thank you so much for listening. Thank you for taking the time out to listen to this episode. And if you like what you hear, click on to the show notes and see how you can support the podcast. Thank you. (laughs) So today's episode is going to be about signs of a developmental delay or signs if your child or loved one has autism. So let's start off with, I don't know how it works for each state. I'm only speaking for my state and my experiences. Every state is different, but it kind of all meshes the same, but you get the point. (laughs) So basically, and this is what people don't understand, like you just don't wake up and get diagnosed uh, with autism. Like it's a whole plethora of steps to even get to that point so and also let me throw this out there before I start too a lot of people think that their you know loved one or child has a developmental delay or autism and sometimes it just might be that they you know develop a little slower than the average child in quotation marks so, like, people, like, think that, oh, something's wrong with my child because they're not hitting the milestones when they are supposed to. So, I think it's, you know, kind of putting your parental instincts and actually paying attention to your child to know the difference from them just, you know, hitting the milestones and um, developments a little slower than the average child or it's actual actual delay. So I have some tips here to kind of maneuver you and kind of help you in this process. Because this process can be very overwhelming and it can be very draining and it also can be very confusing without the proper knowledge. And I'm not saying I'm not an expert, but I've experienced this three times. So I think I have an idea of... (laughs) what I'm talking about. I wouldn't, you know, talk out of the side of my neck or talk crazy or anything like that. I'm going to give you my experiences. I'm going to give you the real world, okay? So, according to the interwebs, it says between one and two, your child is supposed to have a vocab of 50 words and or phrases. So, I think it differs for what the internet says, what your pediatrician says. Basically, your child is supposed to have a vocabulary and is able to, you know, communicate what they want and actually communicate and say words. So, and I think the main point in that is to talk to your pediatrician ask questions. That's what they're there for. Like if you feel confused about something, ask questions and keep asking questions and don't take no for an answer. Cause a lot of pediatricians will kind of like, and you can tell like 
the uh like the vibe or like the energy of a pediatrician like someone that actually you know cares for your child or your loved one and someone that's just there because they're just there and they're collecting a check and I, and I hate to say it like that but it, it's, it's true most of the time or the, you know they're not there for the right reason so um you know and I and I say this in all any episode you know any about autism or just anything ask questions research like Ask questions of research will drive you to whatever you need to, like, you're in the passenger seat and you can go wherever you want to go in the path of life with asking questions of researching. So, and, like, like, you know, with these steps, also make sure that you express your thoughts to your significant other, family members, and make sure that y'all on the same page. When I found out, I'm not, well, not even found out when, when I will start with Thomas, when Thomas was, uh, having signs of a developmental delay, um, I went to my ex and didn't really, you know, support me in that. And it took me a lot to kind of get his support on that because like, with people, they can be in denial about it, or they just don't care, or they just think, like, you're all in your head. So, it's very, and when you get a diagnosis of autism, it's very important to have support, and that's something that I consistently say in these episodes, because it's very important, like, it's not a lot of support. So, you need some type of support from someone, and I'm going to keep saying it, because it clearly it's an issue. And until it's it's something done about it, it's going to keep being an issue. And it shouldn't be an issue. We shouldn't have to cry out for support for, you know, our um, loved ones with autism or any type of disability. Because the support needs to be there. Like, we, as as much as I want to do or think, that I can do it all on my own. I can't. And, you know, being a single parent, like, I cannot do all this on my own. But I, for, for my situation, I have to. But I have some support. You know what I'm saying? So, like, if, like, I'm going to keep screaming at to I'm blue in the face. Like, please support your loved ones in this process. I'm telling you. It it has been the most draining process I've ever went through in my entire life, and going through it three times, and it it, it doesn't get easier. Hearing it three times, like your child has autism, it does not get easier. So, I'm saying it for the last time, please support your loved ones. When they say they feel like you're their their loved one or their child, they feel like something's not right. And usually, if it's your intuition, your intuition is nine times out of ten correct. And that's what I felt, you know, with my situation with Thomas at the time. Like I, I, I knew 
he wasn't um, developing, you know, as an average child was. So, support, please. And I, without just that little bit of support, I would not be able to function. I would not, and even if it's just to vent, you know, to someone or just like a kind word, like that means a lot, especially, you know, for my situation. Like it really means a lot to me. You know, I'm not really big on like, like the materialism or monetary type things like I'm very big on like actions of people and you know if they really mean something or if they really want to do something like they really you know will put themselves out there and and do it and say it so that's just me personally um so support (laughs) and I was that they're like a lot, but again, I, I need to say it because a lot of people need it. So we get past all those parts of getting the support, really paying attention to our child or loved one. Now the state gets involved. And now it's early intervention. And what early intervention does is pretty much they are the ones who, you know, help your child or your loved one um, to help them, like, with their speech or, you know, um, with, like, any type of resources that they would need to help, you know, with the developmental delay. And where I live in Pennsylvania, if you don't know, and what I like about um, early intervention here is that um, they really like focus on the child and not really how can how should I put this not and I'm not going to say not not everyone does this from experiences that I've heard um that they really put the child first when they do evaluations which I'm going to get to um in a second uh they really focus on that and uh, if you're eligible, I would apply for Medicaid or please check with your, um, if you have private insurance or uh, whatever insurance you have, please check to see, um, you know, if you're eligible for the state to pay, you know, for therapy sessions and things like that. And, um, you know, thank goodness that, you know, the state is, um, not not even the state. I would say the county. The state, the county is all the same. Um, um, pays for uh, my son's therapy. They pay for Thomas to go to preschool. So if you can, take advantage. I'm not saying take advantage in the in just kind of like be bad with it. Like take advantage to help your child because like. You know, when we think about getting help from the county or the state, everybody, like, puts a stigma on it. 
But like, especially, you know, if your child has or your loved one has a special need, like it's really helpful and you can get a lot of things um, for your loved one, you know, or your child to for them to, you know, be beneficial. So I'm grateful that the county is paying for, you know, these things because like these resources are very expensive. So this is, again, this is where the research comes in, where you need to research and find out. And um, what I'm going to get into, get into in a second about the um, evaluation and how that all plays a role and stuff like that. So take advantage of your county because they're there to help you <laughs> or your state. They're there to help you. Don't put stigma on it. Okay. Okay. So now, early intervention, and oh, one more thing I need to add, early intervention is not mandatory. I can't say that for the other state. Again, I'm only speaking for my state. Like, it's not mandatory. Like, you have to, you know, keep up with the services. You have to ask for the services. Like, it's not, like handed to you you have to like pretty much reach out for it and if your pd your pediatrician suggests it then definitely go off of that and reach out to you know your county and you know start the earlier intervention services so now we got all that done this is where the evaluation comes in so your child or your loved one gets evaluated um to see if they have a developmental delay. And when they do, they go through like tests and different things to see how the child is. Wait a minute. It's going to be a lot of paperwork. Let me say that too. Like it stacks and stacks of paperwork and majority of it asks the same questions. So please be prepared for that. Like, I hate paperwork. <laughs> like, I hate the paperwork. Like, it's... Oh, it's terrible. Back to the evaluation part. I, I just wanted to put that in there, too. Um, so, depending on where you are, I don't know how long for um, the boys' evaluation. It was, like, an hour, two hours, depending on where you are, depending on who's evaluating your child. Most likely it's like a contractor from the county or state you're from. And they come out, I don't, again, I don't know how it works for other states. They come, they come in Pennsylvania, they come to your home. Well, where I am, they come to your home and do evaluation. Um, I've heard some, you have to go to a facility to uh, go to, like to get the evaluation every state and every county is different. So, uh, yeah, so they come out to your home and be for a couple hours and you get the, uh, prognosis there that if your loved one has a delay or not. So the next part is from my experience, you, uh, another like contractor comes in like for, um, for my boys, it was a birth to three part of early intervention. And then you transfer to like, you know, three to five and then five to, you know, uh, I think it's high school. I'm not too sure yet. I'm not 
I'm not at that part. So, um, they have different sections of the early intervention and you'll get what is called a service coordinator. And what the service coordinator does, he or she makes sure that you are, cause you have a goal that you have, like you don't have to, but like you're, you're trying to maintain a goal that is going to help the child or loved one to succeed and to, you know, to pretty much help them. So they pretty much, keep you on track, keep, you know, your, uh, group that's going to be, because you get, again, it might vary from where you are, but you might get an occupational therapist, a speech therapist, like a special teacher or a behavioralist or whatever, or what have you. Like I said, every, every place is different. And, and they pretty much, y'all have to stay on the same page. And what I've learned from the evaluation is that make sure that when they're asking questions about your child, that they actually listen to you. Because I had a situation with Austin's evaluation where the evaluator did not, I felt like it was a miscommunication on what I said about Austin and she completely wrote something different. Um in the IFSP plan, which I'm going to get into in a second. Um, and when um, I met the speech therapist, um, she was like basically saying something that I didn't say, or, you know, the goal that, you know, we were trying to accomplish. It, it wasn't something that, you know, I agreed to. So basically when you make sure that you, um, Make sure that you're actually articulating what you want, what's your uh, child's needs. Because in some of those evaluators' eyes, all the children are the same. So they're going to think that, you know, oh, you know, this, you know, they're, they're all going to be, even though it's a spectrum. And I hate to be like a, like kind of be a, a bitch about it, but. These situations happen. So they'll kind of like put your child in the same boat as any other child that's going through this. And just make sure that your needs are being met. Make sure your child's needs are being met. And uh, you actually listen. You take down notes. Uh, Again, ask a lot of questions. Like, I really, like, even if you don't. Um, have questions at that moment, write down questions, call, you know, the evaluator or whatever like that. And, you know, let, let them, you know, you let them know your concerns and also your service coordinator. Like that's what they're there for. They're there to help you and your child or your loved one. So don't think that when you, um, are going through the situation that you feel kind of, like out of the loop of your child, like make sure, as I said before, be your child's advocate because they will treat your child like any other child. And if you don't speak up for your child, they will not do for your child, unfortunately. I've seen that on different occasions. So 
I have to, I'm going to give it to you real. Like, I'm not going to sugarcoat, like, I'm not a sugarcoat person. So I'm just going to give it to you real. It don't work that way. You have to really push for your child. For real. So, uh, where was I before? Oh, uh, IFSP. Okay. Um, service coordinator, your team, you have a progress, oh, you have a progress, a progress report, like, every few months, depending on where you are, and that's basically the progress that your loved one is making, and what you want to change, Oh, and don't feel like also, let me all add this as well. With your uh with your team, don't feel like you have to be stuck with the person you have. If you don't like if you don't feel the vibe with that person, if you don't like that person, call your uh coordinator or whoever is responsible for your uh you know, your child and earlier intervention, say, listen, I don't, you know, I don't feel comfortable, I don't want to, you know, and you can switch them out. Like, you don't have to feel like you're stuck with that person. You can switch them out. You don't have to, you know, again, be stuck with that person. So make sure you be very vocal about, this goes back to being vocal about what you want. So make sure you know that you don't have to, you know, if you feel they don't feel comfortable or you don't like, you know, how this person, you know, does their techniques, you don't have to keep them. You know, if, if you get to flip, you know, switch them out a few times, do that. You know, you want the environment to be comfortable for your loved one or child, you know, when they're going through this process, you know, because this is going to be new for them too. And they have to, you know, they have to, you know, get used to this person as well. So if they feel the energy and you see it, like it's not going to work. So just wanted to put that out there. So now we're on the part of ISFP, which is a individualized standard family plan. And I hope I said that correctly. I should, right? (laughs) But Um, basically that is a plan of what, as I said before, of what you want, um, the plan is for your child in early intervention and, um, where you want to go with it, how, you know, what, um, you know, how, like activities you want to do, what, what things you want to, uh, work on is it sensory is it motor etc etc like that's basically like in the shortest term because it's like a big like bunch of papers so that's like the easiest way I can explain what it means and if I did not say that correctly I'll leave it in show notes but I think I've said the correct um, acronym for IF, ISFP so um, and that would be for birth to three, very for where you are. So that, you know, that would be the plan until your child is three and then they move on to preschool. And then what, when they move on to preschool, they get what is called an IEP. And you hear that, uh, hear that a lot because that's very, uh, familiar. And that stands for Individualized Education Plan. 
So that's basically when your child goes to school, what the plan is to work on your, the same as, you know, the, the, the family one. It's just different when your child goes, you know, goes to school. Uh, Thomas has one and Maya also has one and they're completely separate. And let me tell you about these IEPs and I am going to do an episode about IEPs because that is a whole episode within itself. So I'm just going to give you the short version of it. That shit is difficult, okay? I hate IEP meetings. Like any mom or any parent or any caregiver that goes to an IEP meeting will tell you they fucking hate them. I hate IEP meetings because, number one, they have people there, you know, the people there, and they, you know, they they say all this stuff that you have no idea what they're saying, and then it's draining, it's long, and then they look at you like, you know, you're like a microorganism inside of a, a microscope. <laughs> so they are whew, like when you go to an IEP meeting, please go with someone. Please have someone go with you to make it easier cuz like whew, yo those shits <laughs> are hard. Okay? It, it, it's Again, any parent caregiver will tell you about IEP meetings. Um, I'm I'm not gonna go all day in that. That's a, uh, again, that's a whole another episode. So <laughs> just make sure you uh get the IEP or whatever like that. But since we talked about the IEP, let me backtrack a little bit and say, okay. Your child has a developmental delay. And, for example, it's been a year and nothing is changing as far as their motor skills, their sensory skills. And now it's time for a diagnosis of autism or something else. And this process is difficult as well because for the state of Pennsylvania to see a developmental pediatrician is between four, listen, four and 18 months. That's how understaffed they are. That's how many people are waiting for services. Yeah, I don't know how it is from any other state. I'm just speaking from mine. But um, it, 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 that's a process too. A lot of paperwork, another evaluation that is very long. Um, Austin's evaluation um, just happened recently, and it took majority of the day. And I was very nervous because we were in a strange building, and the boys don't do well in strange buildings. And we were in there for most of the day, and they did pretty good, which was a shock to me. I thought they were going to melt down all day. But they did really well. And it's a lot of, again, questions about your child. It's a lot of different activities they're going to test for. So, and also with the evaluation, if your child um, does have autism or uh, any other type of uh, 
disorder or disability, they might ask um, to run any other tests. Um, as I said in the um, the autism myths episode, there can be underlining things that the pediatrician doesn't see. So you have to uh, make sure that you make appointments for that and make sure that there's nothing underlining because underlining things can happen, um, unfortunately. So... And what was different between out of all three of the evaluations, um, the autism evaluations, is that with Maya and Austin, it was more of a, your child has autism, and here you go. That was pretty much what it was. And I couldn't really ask questions. Like, I was just, like, in shock trying to, okay, my child has autism. What do I do? Like, that's how I was. And um, they, I felt like they didn't really explain what I need to do. What's next? How, how do I get research? Like, this whole, like, past year I've been, like, doing research on my own and you know, supporting myself. Now I kind of got a little team behind me. It's very limited, but I got a team behind me. And now, like, being, you know, going through it three times now, no. But with this recent um, evaluation with Austin, the um, the pediatrician, developmental pediatrician, was so amazing. Shout out to Dr. Kruger. Like, she was amazing. She broke everything down. She made sure that you understood, um, made sure that you asked questions, uh, gave me resources. Uh, okay, you need to make this appointment. You need to make that appointment. Like she was very open about everything. And I appreciated her for that because I didn't get that the last two times, you know, when Maya Austin got diagnosed, it was pretty much, you know, and, 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 and it's, and it's going to be like that sometimes. Like, this is why you have to advocate for your children because it will get a point, like you will get a situation where it'll be like that and you have no idea what to do. No idea. And please, like, if you can just re- like research, read you oh, YouTube videos now. Um, two uh, it's two YouTubers that I watch. It's was on the spectrum with uh Terry Matthews. She's very insightful. I recommend her channel a lot. She's very insightful. Her son has autism. Uh, she does a lot of product reviews. Um for like sensory play and things like that. She talks about like the different um, issues, situations and things, you know, in the autism spectrum. Um, Another good YouTuber is uh, Rocking the Spectrum. Uh, It's basically about a family where her son has autism and she's very smart and um, very, uh, you can tell she's very resourceful. you know, with her autism journey with her son and her family. And like I, that, you know, those channels keep me going. Uh, you know, people that are in my life, they keep me going, uh, being like 
a library, like for your brain, really researching. And I keep saying it and I'm sorry, but it's, again, it's important to say because it's not a lot of support. I'm sorry. It's not a lot. It's not a lot of anything. So, and now that, you know, autism is starting to be like much broader, um, everything with the CDC and, you know, different children are being diagnosed every day. Like it's starting to become the uh, like normal. So it needs to be more uh, resources in place. It needs to be more people that need to bring awareness. It needs to be more, um, it needs to be more, it, it just it needs to be more of everything. And that's why it's, you know, people like uh, Miss Terry, it's people like Rockin' Spirit, uh, Spectrum, it's people like um, Father and all, oh, that's a really good YouTube channel, Father. I'm going to leave all these YouTube uh, names uh, in the show notes for this episode. Um, father and autism, um, and they're just regular parents, just like me, trying to, you know, they live through their autism journey with their children and their loved one and trying to, you know, maneuver in life and doing pretty good, in my opinion. And, you know, online support, too. You know, the, the people that, like, generally are there for you may be online. So, I'm, like, social media, not, like, uh, well, even online. They have online support. They got um Facebook groups that you can be in that I really like. It's two Facebook groups I'm in as far as, uh, uh like, a special needs uh, Facebook group. I'm in two of those, and I've learned a lot and got a lot of resources from um, f- from those pages. So be very active with uh, with uh, social media. Be very active with your service coordinator, um, your uh, your team, and if you need a social worker, I forgot to uh, to uh, talk about that too. Like if you need a social worker, a social worker is there to help you as well. So, like, whatever help you can, please take advantage of it and, you know, make it work for you um, and your loved one. So, you you all can, you know, go through this autism journey together and it can be a little easier. So, for the parent that just found out their child has autism or that their loved one has autism, you're not alone people out there that are going through it the same thing and that are here for you I'm here for you so don't give up it's not gonna be easy for that's for damn sure and keep fighting but also make sure to protect your sanity and protect yourself as far as keeping your mind clear because it'll be really long days where you will about to lose your sanity. So just keep your head up and you're doing great. 
and that's my time. I appreciate y'all. Um, if you want me to go further into detail, um, about um signs of autism, developmental delay, and what to do, um, hit me up, and I will do that. I appreciate y'all. I love y'all. I hope y'all are doing well. Peace and love, and I'm out.